Ever feel unable to focus, tired, and just low on energy? We understand that feeling. We understand it so well that the Sports and the World Podcast is brought to you by the Couch Guys Sports Network and sponsored by our friends over at Shocked Energy. Shocked Energy is a drink made by gamers for gamers. All their flavors come packed with 180 milligrams of caffeine to ensure that no matter what you're doing, your focus will always be razor sharp to keep you performing at the top of your game. Their formulas are designed to specifically give you high energy boost when you need it most while ensuring to avoid the jitters after too much caffeine consumption. Head over to www.shockenergy.com and use the promo code CGSN today for 10% off your order. Check out their green apple flavor box or even their watermelon flavor box. Oh, and don't worry, they ship worldwide. That's right, worldwide. Get your shocked energy today and let us help you gain your focus and energy back. The Sports and the World Podcast is brought to you by Exogun. Ever do a workout and feel like you need a massage after? Well, get your massage without leaving the house. Don't let pain and soreness slow you down. Exogun revives muscle, boosts circulation, and releases energy so you can recover faster and live better. Take it wherever you need it. Work, the gym, the trail, and put the power of percussion massage treatment in your hands. It's portable, adjustable, and powerful. Exogun is trusted by the pros to deliver the ultimate in recovery. Like we said before, you can even use it for percussion therapy. What is percussion therapy? Percussion therapy boosts muscle function and recovery by penetrating deep into the muscle tissue with a series of rapid, concentrated, pulsating strokes. Gain back control of your body and achieve long-term pain relief with Exogun. Get 10% off with code CGS10 at checkout. Comes with a charger and carrying case. Go get your Exogun today and treat yourself to a massage at a moment's notice. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you're listening to us and how you're listening to us. Thank you for making the sports and the world podcast a part of your day. I'm Ladarius. And I'm Chris. And I hope you are well and safe out there. And how are you, my friend? I'm hanging. I'm here in uh, beautiful downtown Chicago this week. Very nice. Very nice. Hopefully you can get my Cubs some wins. Well, you know what? Check that. Don't worry about it. I, I retract that statement. <laughs> I, re- I retract. Nah, you know what? I was uh, I was here when uh, the the Chiefs were in town, and you know, I mean, it's preseason, but I mean, I guess a win's into a win if you ask uh, Dominic Coretto from uh, the Fast and Furious, and uh, they they squeaked <laughs> when I was here, so maybe I can bring some uh, some fortune to this city. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's, God knows let's, they need it. Yeah, listen. Who 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 are you telling? Now, <laughs> but but enough about baseball. Let's talk about the NFL. Let's jump right on into it. Last week we previewed the AFC and NFC South, so working our way around the old compass that leaves us with the AFC and NFC. These interesting divisions, especially if you look at some of the moves they made, and especially 
some pivotal factors that could kind of shift the division. And Chris, let's get let's uh go in and share your thoughts on either starting with AFC or NFC East. Uh, why don't we why don't we start on the AFC because I feel like when we get to the NFC, we're not going to have a lot of nice things to say. So we might as well save that part for last, just to you know make a make a good giggle out of it. Um, so starting off shoveling around the AFC East. So naturally, you've got. I mean, essentially a superpower team in the AFC East. You got a questionable one, and then you got one that's, well, they're trying. Uh, <laughs> so we'll start at the top and just work our way to the bottom. Um, you know, coming through, of course, as the outright clear winner, I think, of the AFC East is going to be the Buffalo Bills. Um, they, they really don't have any competitive teams that are close to them in their division. Um, so they've definitely got some easy layups and I, I definitely think they can capitalize on that. I got them going 12 and five based on their schedule right now. Um, of course, fluidity changes based on, you know, the rest of preseason, how injuries go and happen and things like that. Um, you know, you've got Josh Allen at the helm, um, you know, right now. So as of, you know, we're recording here, uh, the Bills are actually the betting favorite to win the Super Bowl this year. So that's that's a staple to say right there. Um, they have a hell of an opener. So they opened the season against the L.A. Rams, um, and that's in L.A. So that's – that. I mean, they're, they're starting essentially uh, with nuclear holocaust uh, game one of the season. So um, – and then they, ha- they do have an early bye week. So, that you know, early bye weeks to me do one of two things. One, it either really helps them change gears, kind of like going to a halftime and, okay, this wasn't working. Let's change this. Let's go back out and do well. Or uh, it does a bad thing and, and that because it's so early, you don't have time to maybe nurse a couple injuries that maybe you were ignoring that now you're, you know, going to be facing, you know, late season – um, the only problem is, is that after taking, uh, that buy, I believe they're going to play Green Bay at home, which no matter what Green Bay has the uh, team wise, it's still Lambeau field. It's just like playing in whether it be Fenway park or Yankee stadium or death Valley or Arrowhead stadium. There's a certain stadiums in, in sports that are, that are loud proud fan bases and, and definitely the Packers are, are one of them. So, um, but I, I think that definitely that's, that's where Buffalo says they've, they've got a, a decent schedule. I think there's areas for opportunity. Um, and we'll just, we'll, we'll see what happens. I think the only thing that with, with Buffalo is that, so they've got Stefan Diggs, of course, as their, uh, their, their go-to guy. Um, however, you know, I, one of the players they lost that I think was very underrated for the Chiefs, or excuse me, for the, the Bills organization, was uh, one of their other wide receivers, uh, Cole Beasley. I think that he was that guy that he was like a utility tool. He could line up just about anywhere. He can catch a small slant. He had incredible speed, incredible maneuverability. Um, he hasn't been re-signed and he hasn't been signed by anybody. Um, whether, you know, there are rumor mills circling around the league about because of his vivid stance against uh, the COVID vaccination mandates. 
um, and his outright refusal, which is, hey, you know what, that's it's his body, his choice. That was the mantra for, for other situations. Uh, so I think it applies to all situations. And I, I don't know if that cost him his career, but uh, I think there is going to be a team on the uh, in the NFC East that's going to be needing him. And we'll cover that soon. Uh, but moving on from Buffalo, uh, just kind of continuing on. Staying up north with the New England Patriots. Uh, so with the Patriots this season, uh, I got them going nine and eight. They got a little bit of a tougher schedule uh, than they than they did in previous. Uh, you know, they were able to rebound and they went ten and seven uh, last season. But you know, m- one of the most important things I think that we figured out or that we're starting to see is that the New England organization has found its future with Mac Jones. Mac Jones showed a very promising uh, start. I think that he, he can be developed. I think that Bill Belichick um, was very happy with what he got out of Mac Jones um, from rookie camp to the end of last season. I think in, you know the best part about rookies is that they can only improve. Now he has a year under his belt in the league. He, he sees the NFL defenses versus the college defenses. And I, I think that uh, we're going to see what happens as, as the season progresses. Um, you know, they didn't make a ton of moves, but they made enough to make themselves stay relevant. I still think they have a plus 500 season. Um, and again, based on their schedule, I think that there are, um, there, you know, there is potential, you know, they got two road games against the Dolphins uh, and the Steelers before facing the Ravens in their home opener. So they definitely have a little bit of a, a, a path to walk before they get to go to Foxborough. And again, Foxborough is one of them stadiums that if you're the guest, it is, it is not always the, uh, the most pleasant place to play in. Uh, but we'll see what happens there. I think the, the, the most intriguing team in the AFC East moving, moving South now is the Miami Dolphins. Um, they made a lot of moves this, this offseason more than any of the other teams. I think that the, if, if you were looking at the facelift, I think Miami like went to one of those Miami cos, you know, cosmetic surgeons, plastic surgeons, and just got themselves a whole mommy makeover from, from head to toe. Um, you know, they added uh, Raheem Mostert, uh, running backs. They added uh, uh, tackle Teron Armstead, wideout Sed Wilson Jr. Uh, they also got Chase Edmonds. Most importantly, uh, they got Tyreek Hill, I think, which was one of the most shocking trades out of the entire offseason. Um, and then, of course, they got Tua Tagalova uh, at the helm still. Now, uh, Tyree Kill said a lot of great things about uh, about Tua, and he's the most accurate quarterback, and things like that. Um, maybe they found an early groove. Maybe they found something that they can connect on. Um, Tua was good at Alabama. Uh, he's been plagued with injury, and that, that is the one thing that scares me. That if I was a wide receiver, especially at the level of Tyree Kill is, when you have when you're when you're when you're Tyree Kill you have the ability to write your own paycheck, I believe. And I'm with Darius. I think you can agree with me on that. You have, you are the shot caller. When you're Tyree kill, you, you are telling what team you're going to play on. Not it's, it's not a situation, maybe like a Cole Beasley right now that whoever signs him, he's just happy to, the to slap on a set of pads. But when you're Tyree kill, you can make your destiny. Um, so uh, maybe this is what 
you know, Miami needs to really jumpstart that offense, jumpstart Tua. But on the other side of it is a high-level receiver as Tyreek is. I would almost be fearful of being around a quarterback like Tua because of how injury prone is. He's had the hip injury and this injury and that injury. You know, there is just a lot of issues that that surrounded him health wise. And you know, I, one thing I preach about it, and I, and I know I've said it on on previous shows, is that players coming out of the SEC are are good. Um, whether you want to, and you know, there and there are players that come out of all college. If you make it to the NFL, you're good. Um, I believe that the SEC maybe puts a little extra dash on it because of the competition you're playing within the SEC compared to other conferences. But I think one of the biggest problems is that you get kids coming out of Alabama. It's kind of like buying like, like, you know, those enterprise car sales places they have that they were rental cars at the airport and they were well-maintained. You know, they got the oil change and tires and, and belts and anything that those cars needed to keep them legally safe for guys like me that are traveling all the time to jump in and go. And then when you go to buy one of them, they've been ridden hard and fast. It is, it is essentially, you're almost buying like a Las Vegas hooker on, on four wheels. And (laughs) you, you just don't know what you're going to get. They've been ridden hard. They've been ridden fast and they tend to break down a little bit faster than, than others. And I think that's one of the cases when you get these Alabama players into the NFL is that I've noticed that they don't last as long as maybe they should, or they're a little bit more prone to injury because of the abuse that they take in college ball to get to that pro contract. Um, But, you know, with all those ads uh, that Miami has made, um, I still got them at at a negative 500 season. So I got them going eight, nine based on who they're playing, when they're playing. Um, They, they've got a, a very, road heavy schedule um they're going to be playing in san francisco at la chargers at buffalo at new england uh you know but and there's also a small home game against the packers kind of kind of sprinkled in there but they've got a they've got a really uh really heavy schedule that that they're going to be playing on the road and i think that does play um a role in the situation that they have uh Moving down to the bottom of the AFC East are my beloved little Jets. Um, you know, the last few games of the season, uh, the Jets honestly showed a lot of promise last year. Um, I think that they have the potential, but they're still trying to figure out how. Um I mean, their schedule, you've got a really, really weird situation. There are some very potential games that they could easily walk away with. Um, You know, they're playing the Bears in Week 12, the Lions in Week 15, the Jags in Week 16, and then uh, a road game against Seattle in Week 17. Of course, Seattle is Russell Wilson-less. So I think that's a very possible win. Um you know, and then I think that they definitely could pull off an upset week two against Cleveland with uh, with Deshaun Watson not being able to come out and play with him being grounded. Um, however, I, I got the Jets at the bottom of the division being seven and ten. I think there's a couple games that are going to come up and surprise people. Um, even, you know, last season, if you think about one of the most crucial games of Zach Wilson's career thus far was playing Tampa Bay. They almost beat Tampa. He almost beat Tom Brady as a rookie. He almost beat Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay's vicious defense. 
he he was putting the pedal to the floor. Unfortunately, they did fall short. Um, you know, there's potential. Now, the other thing on the other side of the coin, so I'm saying all these positive things, we have to look at what just happened. So the preseason opener uh, of the Jets, they played the Philadelphia Eagles, which they did win. So go Jets. Um, but we wanted a cost, and that cost is a, a four-week uh, injury for Zach Wilson with a minor meniscus tear that he's going to get patched up real quick and a bone bruise. Thankfully, it wasn't an ACL or something vastly more serious. But a knee injury on a quarterback, on a young quarterback, on a developmentally challenged team is a bad place to be. If you have a knee injury with the offensive line like Tampa Bay or the offensive line of New England or the offensive line of Buffalo, you'll be okay because with that 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 questionable knee, you're still going to be able to make the passes. You don't have to be as mobile, and you're not stressing that knee out as bad. When you're Zach Wilson essentially running for his life more times than not, I think that's going to make a hindrance on it. Now, here's my thing. If I'm the GM for – uh, the New York Jets, as much as I may like Zach Wilson, um, I need to start looking at other options. And there's uh, this very handsome man that bones porn stars out in San Francisco, and his name is Jimmy G, Jimmy Garoppolo. I think the Jets need to go out and get him. We have the capital. We have the, the money literally just sitting doing nothing. Jimmy G wants out of San Francisco. Will Jimmy G win us the Super Bowl? No. Will Jimmy G possibly make us a 500 team? Anything is possible except winning a Super Bowl if you're the Jets right now. Um, I, I think that they need – Zach Wilson needs more developmental time. And when he's out just getting the outright shit beat out of him week in and week out, I don't think that's a developmentally strong thing to have going on to a, a young player. Um, so we'll see what happens there. I, like I said, I, I have a very bleak uh, – optimism for the Jets this season. Uh, I think they'll do better than they did last season, but I, I don't see them going to the playoffs. I don't see them making a wild card. I, at this point, this very moment as we're doing this, I don't even see them being a plus 500 team. You know, what's interesting, and I'll just be quick before we transition to the NFC East. I think this division, it's all about Buffalo at the top. And it's just a matter of the question is, it's not a matter of who you think is going to win, because I think we can agree that Buffalo is going to win. It's a matter of who's the second best team in this division. Now, on paper, it feels like Miami, and this is what I say about Miami. One of the more one of the teams that went through a very tumultuous offseason for various reasons. They bring in uh, Mike McDaniel, offense coordinator from the 49ers, who brings in who who's essentially brought in to help Tua. That this is kind of essentially his make or break season. And you go out, you get a you get an all pro who's made the all pro the last six seasons in Tyree Kill. You got a Jalen Waddle. And, and I think Chris, people tend to forget that this defense is not that bad. It's not no, that no, you, not at you, all. you have Xavier Howard there, you know, a pro bowler there. So the, the question for me is can Tua take that next step? And and as for New England, I think I have the question about Mac Jones his sophomore season, him and Zach Wilson. It's a matter of which the quarterback who has the better season, that team will end up ahead of one another. And it sounds cliche, but I just think that Mac Jones is in a position where I think the Wingland could kind of struggle because Chris, they don't have, they don't have an offensive coordinator. Yeah. And 
which you know, which they've done in the past, so it's not unprecedented, you know, for New England to do this. But I just think for a young quarterback, see, with Tom Brady, you could do this. With a veteran quarterback, you can kind of have a guy who doesn't call plays. You know, you lean on the veteran. But yeah, you're leaning, I mean, you're essentially, uh, essentially, Brady was the offensive coordinator. He could walk out, see the defense. If he didn't like the play that was called over the over the mic, he could just start throwing audibles out. You know, he was a very intelligent quarterback compared to what. Yeah, exactly. With with Mac Jones, I mean, he's he's. He's a kid. I mean, at the end of the day. Yeah, and, and, and that and that's a concern. That's a very big concern for me. Now, I look at New York. I think the whole Jimmy G point, I, I don't think I would – if I was Joe Douglas, the GM, I wouldn't do it because I wouldn't trade for Jimmy G because essentially it's not it's not the issue of money. It's a, it's a matter of now if Zach Wilson was going to be out like if it because I wrote an article about the injury and to your point luckily at first thought it was thought it was an ACL injury, but you know two to four week kind of met, you know window, I think that you know Joe Flacco is a serviceable guy for a couple of games because if you think about it Chris you get a Jimmy G if you think you can make the playoffs, but the Jets aren't making the playoffs. No, no, not at all. Not so, this season. So I think Jimmy G is a very, very viable quarterback, but I just don't see that move being made. And and to circle the point before we transition onto the uh before we transition to the NFC East is about Buffalo, is, is that is somehow Buffalo got better this offseason. They went and got Vaughn Miller. Yes. To to already improve on the they were the number one defense in the regular season. And then you get the only question mark for Buffalo, if it is a question mark, and we're going to kind of talk about that. In fact, it, it, it kind of leads into our the next division to cover is that now another offensive coordinator. How is it going to be? Are we going to see Buffalo be more of a run team? Are we going to see how we're going to see this offense look? I don't, Brian, you know, I don't see them as much as a uh, as a run team. They well, have, well, have, well. Well, I mean, because well, let me clarify. What I mean, run, I mean not say kind of do essentially what the Ravens are going to do this year. I'm talking about maybe creating more of a balance because you know, I think for Buffalo, as great as a team they are offensively, Josh Allen is great, but I don't care what team you are, you need balance. And I think with Buffalo, if, if you know, will they run the ball more without taking away from Josh Allen? If that makes any sense. Yeah. That's because because Brian Dayball did a very good job playing. I think you know. I think that was to me the success of of any team, but especially for Buffalo, was how do you utilize Josh Allen, a talent? Because we can sometimes misuse very good things, and Brian Dayball knew the strengths and weaknesses of Josh Allen. So I'm curious to see, but I think Buffalo is is the on-zone favorite. I have them. I have them winning the Super Bowl. They're they're my favorite. I just don't see the AFC. If you come out the AFC, you're going to be battle tested. So, and I like Buffalo. Now, speaking of, we talked about the AFC. Let's transition to the NFC East. Brian Dayball, new head coach of the New York Giants. Well, let's talk about the NFC East, where it's very interesting. Where I I I'm very strong on. I'm very high on one team. But I'll get to that after you get to your and get your assessment on the NFC East. So I think it's safe to say that the NFC East is the official dumpster of of the NFL. I think that 
you look at where they are as far as comparison to other divisions, it, 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 it's just not good. Um, you know, it, it's, it's just not a pleasant place. Uh, and it, it's rough to watch most of these teams play on a Sunday or a Monday or a Thursday. Um, I'm not even going to lie. Sometimes when I, if I see that these teams are playing, the chances of me turning off the game go up uh, by a few points. Not even going to lie. Um, but moving forward, now that I've got that off my chest, um, so here's what I got broken down here. So uh, coming into the NFC East, I'll start with the Dallas Cowboys. I've actually got the Cowboys sitting pretty at the uh, at, at the top of – of the division. So I've got them going 10 and seven. And uh, here's the reason why number one, their strength of schedule is tied for 31st. So just kind of let that marinate for a little bit. Um, you have, you know, a Dak Prescott with no more Amari Cooper. Uh, you know, so you got, but you got Noah Brown, uh, Jalen Tolbert and James Washington. Are they ready to step up and and be that passive attack that Dallas can be? Uh, you know, one of the other things is that you have the head coach for the Dallas Cowboys, Mike McCarthy. He's been around in the league for years. He did good in Green Bay. Um, he, he did win a Super Bowl. He is on the hot seat this season. I think that this season is the make-or-break season for him. Um, this is what's going to keep him to get a, a congratulations note from Jerry Jones or uh, you're fired uh, Jerry Jones type letter. So, you know, Dallas did win though. If, if you, you know, kind of dig back and, uh, and think about this, Dallas won 12 games last year, 12, which just doesn't seem logical, but hey, I mean, you know, numbers don't lie. That's that's I guess that's my mantra for this uh, for this show. Um, I, I think that they're not going to do as well, you know, with with no Amari Cooper. I think that does play a pivotal role. Um, I think, and again, this is me speculating. So as we talked about in the AFC East, we talked about Cole Beasley parting ways with uh, the Buffalo Bills. I see him coming down to Dallas. Uh, he did, you know, if memory serves me right, correct me if I'm wrong, he did play for Dallas. Um, I think that he finds his way back there, and I think he could be that accent piece that that, that Dak Prescott needs, um, that mobile, small, agile, fast burst uh, wideout that he's going to need for a lot of those little short pass plays to get those first downs. Um, I think Dallas has the most Almost the most potential. Uh, I've I've got another team that I'm going to actually jump to next, um, outside of Dallas, and that is the Philadelphia Eagles. Besides being probably and arguably the most agitating and annoying fan base I've ever gone to a professional game with, um, I believe this season they they could definitely do some damage. Uh, if you look at what they've done, um, you know you've got. Jalen Hurts, that uh, that's that's you know he won nine games last season. Um, AJ Brown, you know, adding adding a star like that, and then you have uh, Kazir White, Hassan Rhetoric, and James Bradbury uh, that I think that are all going to be immediate impact players. Um, I also have the Eagles going ten and seven this season. 
Um, I, their schedule is also very formidable. They're definitely, uh, it's, you know, they're, they're not looking, not, it's not looking like a hard schedule by any means. Um, I definitely think that they can squeak that, that 10 and seven look. Um, I think that they have the potential based on the other teams in the division that, that, you know, are going to be those layup wins. And then I think Philadelphia is hunger to win, you know, Jalen hurts, I think was one of those quarterbacks. He, Again, he's an Alabama alum. He kind of saw the writing on the wall, got out, went to Oklahoma. Um, and I think he really showed out last season. I think he did a lot more than what people had expectation for last season. And I think that's going to play a pivotal role moving forward with Philadelphia football. And I think that if they can keep him healthy, keep him moving, and maybe give him a little help and have some of these guys, you know, th- these impact players really come out, you know, Devonta Smith and all those guys to really come out and just work for him. Um, I think that the Eagles could at least win the division, you know, over Dallas. I mean, I, I got I got a 50-50 split uh, between the Eagles and uh, and the Cowboys winning. I just I couldn't make an, an educated guess. I mean, if you were to ask me right now, I'd reach into my bag and, and grab a coin and flip it and whatever it lands on. That's 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 how close I think these two teams are. Um, you know, moving forward to the bottom of the division, um, you've got the uh, the Washington Commanders. So they're also tied for 31st in uh, strength of schedule. So, you know, there's that. Um, you know, they won the division in 2020, and they gave Tampa Bay a run for their money in the postseason that year. Um, of course, they didn't make the playoffs last year. I think what really breaks Washington this season is – Mr. Breakable Carson Wentz, uh, all pun intended. I he did he wasn't productive in Philly. He wasn't productive in uh, in Indy. Indy, I think, and we discussed that last week. That Indy has a lot of talent for Matt Ryan to play with. Um, so I think that this is going to be the uh, the ending of of Carson Wentz's career. Um, I think that Riverboat Ron. It's going to have a, a a hell of a season in front of him. That he's he's got an easy schedule. Excuse me, an easy schedule. But I think that he overall has to really, really come up and do something to get these guys motivated. I don't see them doing well. Um, Win loss wise, I've got them at seven and ten. Um, so they're not at the bottom of the division, but they're they're definitely not playing five hundred football. They're definitely not making the playoffs. And I think that uh, they got, they've got to figure out the quarterback situation. Carson Wentz is not the answer. I was very critical of him last season and the season before that. You know, it's not that I'm picking on him, um, but at the same time, there's there's something's got to be done there. Um, at at the bottom of uh, of the NFC East is the New York Giants. You know, this was a team. You know, the way that we looked at the New York Giants ten years ago versus today was how you looked at Luke Skywalker at Return of the Jedi. And you had this evil empire of the New England Patriots and and Darth Vader and Palpatine. And then you and then you have the Giants who are just the the, the Jedi, the Han Solo, the Luke Skywalker, all those guys. Now I, I look at the New York Giants and I think I can see a dumpster uh a couple blocks over from my hotel. And that's what I think of the giants. Now they're just, they are not good. Um, I don't have them doing well this season. 
Um, so fun fact, you know when the last time that the Giants have won over seven games in a single season? Um, that's a great question. Um, actually, I might know this because I, I write and I, I wrote a piece about the Giants. I'm going to say it's been I know it's been at least I know it's been at least four seasons. Yep. So I'm I'm gonna take a punt and say it had to be Coughlin. No, wait. No, wait. I think they had a good year with Ben McAdoo. I whatever hell year that was. So I'm going to say 2017. I know you're actually big- very close. You were very close on that. Uh, so 2016 is the last season uh, that they had seven win. That which is which is rough. Um, I think also on top of that, if we look at storylines, ESPN, CBS Sportsnet, uh, NBC Sports, FS, you know, Fox Sports One, um, local sports affiliates, um, I think Daniel Jones is going to be the main storyline of of the season. Um, he's got he has everything to lose and everything to gain. Uh, he needs to prove to the Giants organization and to the Giants fan base that he can be their franchise quarterback. Um, you know, the number one, I, one of the bigger problems I think with the New York Giants as well is uh, they were very injury prone last season. Uh, Sterling Shepard is still out, I believe. Uh, their first round draft pick in Florida, great. Uh, Kadarius Tony was banged up last season. Um, you know, and, and Daniel Jones went four and seven as a starter. Um, you know, I, if Brian DeBall doesn't do something, uh, I, I don't know what else can honestly what can happen. Um, so this season, I've got them going five and twelve. I don't have them doing well. Um, I was I was watching a little bit of the mini camps that they were having on TV, and you know, speaking of Kadarius Tony, he was actually taking snaps at the quarterback position uh, in training camp. Uh, fun fact too, I don't know if you knew this, but uh, Kadarius Tony was actually a uh, quarterback in high school before he played wide receiver slash gadget slash whatever uh, player at the University of Florida. So he can throw a ball. Um, We look at uh, a little bit of last season. I believe it was last season. He did have like a little bit of a flea flicker type play where he hooked the ball and he did it on more than one occasion at the University of Florida. Uh, I don't know if they're planning to maybe slide him into a position of maybe running the offense if Daniel Jones gets injured or as a backup plan, or I, I, or just for the fun of it, uh, just to get a first round draft pick at this point. I don't know. Um, I've got the Jets, or excuse me, the, oh, the Jets too, but I've got the Giants on the very, very bottom part of the of the NFL pecking order totem pole uh, for wins. I don't see them doing well. Something's got to give. Daniel Jones, this is this is his year. He's either got to come out swinging, and he's got to he's got to really, really play some ball. Or I think that he's going to be on the carousel of backup quarterbacks for the very foreseeable future of his career. Yeah, and I, I see your point there. And I'll start, you know, I'll start with New York and kind of make my way around before we put a button on the show with fantasy. What I will say about the Giants is this: I think not only is Daniel Jones's kind of job on the line, I argue Saquon Barkley's job's on the line. Ah, uh, yeah. Because I, I think about this. When you draft this, I think the problem with Daniel Jones is that, and in fact, I was on Twitter, follow me on Twitter, Eladares underscore Brown. I, it was a conversation about, is Daniel Jones a bust? And I said, no, 
because he's shown flashes he can be great. I think he was drafted so high. I think when you there's expectations. And I think his his skill set, which is serviceable, is not equatable to where he was drafted, if that makes any sense. And I think that's where we get the whole bust kind of concept from. But with Saquon Barkley, it's a matter of him just staying healthy. He's never had a, a healthy season since his rookie season. And and here we are, you know, think about this, Chris. It is that we look at Dayball. Dayball is, I believe, the fourth coach since Tom Coughlin retired. Yeah. yeah. So, they're, they're on a carousel there. So, I mean, they went through Pat Shermer. They went through Ben McAdoo. They just went through Joe Judge. This is their fourth coach. And to me, I think it, it simply boils down to I'm more optimistic about this Giants regime because of the fact that I do believe that I think the Giants, you know, they may they may finish last in this division. But what I will say is that it's going to be interesting interesting to see how Daniel – because this is Daniel Jones and Saquon's make-or-break year to me. Now, when we look at to Washington, to me, Carson Wentz was not always – when Carson Wentz got hurt for Philly, he was never the same quarterback. He was never the same quarterback. He was think about this, Chris. If you remember, I believe it was that Super Bowl season, he got hurt. Yeah. And he he and he was on, on track to be the MVP of the league. Yeah. But he got he got hurt. And then when and then all of a sudden he got healthy the next year, he just wasn't the same dude. And yeah, sometimes some, some people have a hard time coming back from injury. I mean, there there's always, you know, whether they're playing with um with fear because they're yeah. afraid of getting re-injured or they're just maybe being a little bit more careful, or they've lost that that step that uh, lost their groove. I guess is the the hip and trendy way to say it. I, I think I think just my personal assessment. I think it's a confidence issue. I think that Carson went somewhere along the way just lost confidence. And and if you need an example, like Indianapolis, he wasn't terrible, but Chris, you could see moments. And I kind of talked about this on last episode. We can just see moments. I, you look at Carson Wentz, there were some moments last season where it's like, oh, no. And it kind of made you question. So Indianapolis unloaded him to Washington, who, you know, essentially they kind of need a quarterback, and he's an upgrade over Taylor Heineke. So for, for Riverbelt Ron, it's a matter of can you get this guy, to, if you get him to play football and get him to focus, you know, he could have a solid season, but that remains to be seen. Now, going back to your point, you know, to the you know either Eagles or the Cowboys, Chris, I am very high on the Eagles because I don't know if you remember when we did a mock draft. It was the same year of Jalen Hurts draft, and I don't know if you recall, I put a first round grade on Jalen Hurts. Yeah, it's it's how I really like Jalen Hurts, and and then for the Eagles to get him in the second round. I think, and they got a first-round guy, in my opinion. I think Jalen Hurts can take that next step to be the leader because he's right now, he's one of those quarterbacks who's under the most pressure. To we, we talk about guys like Tua or Derek Carr, but I truly do believe that a guy like Jalen Hurts is under pressure because I think, well, I think he can do it. But fans are like, well, can he be the guy? 
Because if he's the guy that I think he can be, that first-round guy, Chris, there's no reason in the world in that NFC East where, in my opinion, the Cowboys kind of take a step back. Because not only did they lose Amari Cooper, think about this. They lost a couple of – they lost Randy Gregory to Denver. They also lost some of their offensive line. So it's not a lot. To me, what separates Philly from Dallas is that I trust – is who do I trust more? And people are going to say, oh, he's ripping Dak again. No, I never had a problem with Dak. You just can't argue statistics. Yeah, I, I, I don't have a problem with Dak. You know, I, I had a whole thing last year, almost two years ago, where I talked about Dak at some point has to be the guy. We could sit here and say, oh, it's a curse. No. Dallas has not had a great quarterback since Troy, and that's saying a lot. Yeah. And, and, yeah. It's, and, and it's the same problem with Miami. They never had a great quarterback since Dan Marita. And that's even longer. Than, <laughs> so it's all about can Dak be the next guy to lead this team to a Super Bowl? Chris, forget, forget playoffs. Can he lead this team to the Super Bowl? Because at some point, you know, we you know we ripped, you know, Mr. Clapper, Jason Garrett. <laughs> but I I I make the point is that at some point we gotta start looking at the quarterback. Yeah. And we gotta start looking at the quarterback because it's easy to be it's just like in baseball. It's easy to fire a manager than fire the player. Because if a team is 20 games out of it, you know, you can fire the manager. But the you reality, can yeah, you can you can huck the skipper, but when you're paying someone three hundred million dollars and their batting average is one seventy, correct. And when they're when they're absolute cheeks, to me, because it's easier to get, it's an easier solution to fire a coach. And I'm and by, by no means am I defending Mike McCarthy. I'm not defending Mike McCarthy. I'll say this before we transition. I'm not defending Mike McCarthy, Chris. I'm defending the fact that with Dak Prescott. Can he be the guy? And I, I don't think. And, and and I'll say this. I'll let you finish. Is is that I'm not saying Dak is a terrible quarterback, but I all I always make this point. In order to to compete for Super Bowl, which the which has changed over the last 15, 20 years, it used to be have a great defense and average quarterback, you can win a Super Bowl. But now, Chris, you need a top ten quarterback to go Agreed. to. Super Bowl. So the question I have, and the question I always will bring up, and I, and I love Dallas Cowboy fans, is, is your guy a top 10 quarterback? That's the question. Because I don't think he is. Exactly. And, and, that, and he's, to me, he's on the outside. I'll let you make your point. To me, he's on the outside. He, he's like 11 or 12. But he, he's on the outside to me. If, if you look at what Dallas has had over the past few years – Look at the talent that has surrounded him. Jason Witten, uh, Zeke Elliott, Amari Cooper. These are guys that on the fantasy side are going first round. These are guys that teams are paying millions and millions and millions of dollars for a year to trade for. Um, You look at the defensive side. I mean, Dallas's defense last season was scary good. 
Yeah. Um, what, what's the face there? The corner. I you know I I, I don't I didn't have it in my notes and I can't think of this guy's name Tra- off the top. Trayvon Diggs. Trayvon Diggs. Yeah. yeah. Just just ripping interceptions every game. Like if if you are the Dallas Cowboys. Now this is a team that they haven't been to a Super Bowl. VHS tapes were still a thing. The original OG Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Tupac was still alive. Damn it. Tupac and Biggie were still alive when Dallas won a Super Bowl. That come on, guys. Like Dallas is an organization. It starts at Jerry Jones and his feeble Mr. Smithers looking face and just slithers all the way down to the 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 assistant coaches and everyone. Dak Prescott is not the guy. He showed potential at Mississippi State. He did come into the NFL. He was drafted. He's he's a good player. But he's not great. And if you're like, it's like you said, you need a top 10 quarterback. You need a solid defense. Dallas had the pieces to do something. And they had those pieces for a long time. And they just didn't do anything with them, whether it was poor coaching from Mr. Clapper or or poor coaching from Mark McCarthy. But at, at some time, you've got to be able to look at Dak and just say, dude, you're not the guy, and I, and, and that's hard in any in any uh, high any any level of sports. I mean, I remember when I was coaching high school ball that I, having to have those conversations for kids that just weren't good at the position, and I just had to tell them like, "Look, man, you might want to look at trying for something else. You you might want to maybe move to a running back or a wide receiver or a tight end or quarterback. Just ain't for you, Buckaroo." And I'm not saying that Dak should, you know, go throw on a uh, a pair of kicker pads and go try to knock a 50-yard field goal. But I don't think Dak Prescott is going to win you a Super Bowl. So Dallas has to make a decision: invest in somebody that can invest in the future and, and, and get a rookie, maybe head up for a draft pick. But I don't think that that he's going to be the one. Jalen Hurts, on the other hand, Jalen Hurts number one is playing with a chip on his shoulder, and he had that chip on his shoulder from yeah. the day he transferred to Oklahoma. He's got a lot to prove. Yeah. And Philly is a critical and vocal fan base. See, here's the thing. Like you're saying, like, you know, with Dan Marino in Miami, people will – will the, the Miami fans are just happy and chill, and that's it. They're cool with it. Uh, you know, the, there are a lot of teams. Philly is such – and just experiencing this firsthand, they are a very critical fan base – and especially of their quarterback. When Nick Foles was there, they loved him. When Carson Wentz, until he started playing like trash, they loved him. And then with Jalen Hurts, a lot of people were skeptical, and then he just came out swinging like he was fighting for his life every single day on that football field, and he proved himself out there. So, I mean, like I said, I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm high on the Eagles. I think Dallas can still win a lot of games if they play their cards right, but I think the Eagles have that that – that ambiance, and I think Jalen Hurts is the uh, is a difference maker. Yeah, and like I said, and I've talked about Jalen Hurts a lot, and there's a reason, and I and I tell people there's a reason I put a first round grade on this guy. Yeah, is because I I saw something in that kid from Alabama, and him going to Oklahoma. He got lost. I think the problem is, and also before we move on to, to end the show with fantasy, is this, Chris. He walked into a fan base that was already disgruntled about Carson Wentz, and then and then 
Howie Roseman took a lot of flack for drafting this kid in the second round. And I've always said this. If you draft a quarterback into the first, second round, that's letting me know you want to start that guy within three years. Yep. If you draft, if you draft him in the first round, you're looking at anywhere from that season to next year. If you're drafting a guy in the second round quarter position, that's a three-year plan. And that's exactly kind of the way it kind of worked out for Jalen Hurts. So Jalen Hurts walked into a very volatile situation. And he knows, I don't have to tell him, Chris, you don't have to tell him that there's expectations in Philly, whether we want to believe it's fair or not, is that I believe that this kid is the right quarterback. I believe it. And I and I was a day one guy, and I'm not even an Eagles fan. But I'm a, I, because I just believe in him and the talent. And if Nick Sirianni can figure out a way to, you know, kind of use the formula from last year, and maybe now with the addition of A.J. Brown, they could become a, a, a more of a passing team. And we could see some things. So that's just, you know, my Jalen Hurts, you know, passion, you know, King Leonidas 300 speech on that. But before, as, as we wrap up the show, before we wrap up the show with fantasy, listen to this episode and every episode of the Sports of the World podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcast. Follow me on social on Twitter and Instagram. Now follow me on Twitter, excuse me, at Ladares underscore Brown. Follow me on TikTok, at Ladares underscore Brown. And follow me on, on Instagram, at Ladares double underscore Brown. And just follow Chris around. He, he, he'll poke his head out. He'll wave. At so, it's Christogram on the old Instagrams. Twitter, it's still UFC fake pretend Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, it's been a while, so that's on me. I should have wrote that down. But I, I, I was, I was, I was, I had a perfect game, and then I let a hit. Go, you know, I let it. I gave up an infield single, so that's on me. So, so now as we close the show, um, Chris, it's that time of the year for fantasy. Anyone do something different? So, yeah, I, you know, I, normally, I, I, I'm sorry, man, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. He 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 he, he pulled a Kanye and took the mic. That's what happened. Yeah. <laughs> Let me so, talk to you. <laughs> so, so with that being said, Chris, the floor is yours. Go for it. Yeah, you know, so fantasy, uh, most years I open up and I just give you a rundown of people you should draft and when you should draft them, um, and that has helped. So I was talking to some folks, and somebody pointed out, how about people not to draft? Dangers, risks, things that we might want to stay away from. So I'm actually going to focus this part of uh, in this segment on uh, top 10 players on why you should avoid them. And these are going to be some big names that you are probably going to grab your chest, maybe your left arm and go into possible cardiac arrest. Uh, Maybe call me crazy, but I guess when it comes to like week 14, week 15 of the season and you have him and you play in my league and I see you have him and he plays like trash. um, Well, it's going to be, and I told you so, and it's going to be a hearty dose. I told you so, because that's one of my favorite things to do, but so moving forward, so uh, I didn't have these in any particular order from like a 10 to 1. I just kind of wrote them down as I was going through rosters. Um, and then, you know, why? So starting off, we're going to start off on the West Coast. Uh, Kyler Murray, the quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals. So he plays a late bye week in week 13. You know, he was one of the MVP favorites in the first half of the 21 season. Um and then his production just stopped like gas after the election, but hey, it's another one. Um, 
you know, so that's a red flag as what the hip and trendy people say. Um, so automatically he's going to be uh, re- reliability is an issue for fantasy. Um, of course, in, in real football as well. Um, if you're not reliable, you're not doing well. Um, he's being drafted as like a top five quarterback due to his like status quo as a rusher. Um, but if you look at just from 2020 to 2021, um, his rush attempts in 2020 were at 133 into 21, they were at 88 and he went from 819 yards to 423 and then went from 11 rushing touchdowns to five. Um, so you've got the icing on the cake and the cherry and all the cute stuff on top is that his number one target D hop, Deandre Hopkins, uh, he's not even going to be available until week seven because he is serving a six game suspension uh, for NFL conduct policy. So he would be a great backup quarterback if you need one. You know, if you, you get your grubby little paws on someone that's real solid, he would be your go to. However, uh, I don't think he's, if he's your starter, you're probably going to be in for a little bit of a rough season. Um, moving forward, next place is going to be. And I, 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 I feel like I bring these guys up more than than I should, but I, cause I, I always feel like I'm picking on you, Ladarius. But the Dirty Birds, the Atlanta Falcons, uh, a player to stay away from is Cordell Patterson. They're he's classified as a running back now. Um, last season, Cordell Patterson was the equivalent of my 56 degree wedge uh, for you golf aficionados. That's a club you pull out when you just need something to happen that that's your it's your go-to it's your happy place it's your utility club essentially um you know he definitely won some leagues for fantasy owners last season he was you know just the atlanta's top running back uh he had a total of 1100 plus yards from scrimmage um i think that he'll be able to to mirror that but i think without matt ryan I think that that's going to be an issue um, because you have Marcus Mariota. Um, you have Felipe Franks. Uh, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> uh, moving forward, uh, Darren Waller, the tight end for the Los Angeles, or excuse me, the Las Vegas Raiders. So he's on a bye week, week six. Um, if you're in a jam, you can grab him. You know, however, his ADP overall is is forty seven. Um, you have right now Derek Carr. So, and so I, you know what? I think I made a, a, a Disney reference last week, and I think I'll do it again. Um, if we're watching Toy Story, Darren Waller is Woody. And Andy, of course, is Derek Carr. And then Buzz Lightyear is now on the team with Devontae Adams. Um, now, here's the thing. They were college teammates, Devontae Adams and Derek Carr. So in case you didn't know about that, Womp womp. Calls, uh, Carr also developed a nice, healthy rapport with Hunter Renfro towards the end of last season, um, taking even more targets away from Waller. So you already had an established player on the team with Hunter Renfro. You now have his homie from college, Devontae Adams, rolling in. So I expect there be some, some cowboy boot, Woody-type resentment from Darren Waller. Um, again, you know what? I definitely would not draft him early. If he's available by rounds 10, 11, depending on uh, nine, depending on how your league is set up, um, 
go for it. If you need a two tight end spread, definitely go for it. But outside of that, um, I don't I don't think that he's going to serve well. Moving forward, another tight end I'm going to pick on is uh, Dawson Knox out of uh, Buffalo. They're on a bye week in week seven. Um, I, he, you know, Knox had a really good breakout season uh, as one of Josh Allen's go tos for last year. He caught 49 passes, 587 yards, and nine TDs. Nine TDs for a tight end in fantasy. As Juvenile would say, that's cash money from the 99 to the 2000. That is straight money in the bank. Um, those rock solid numbers were, were great. Um, but, however, I don't know the season. I, I, I think that that was an anomaly. I think that he was like an emergency escape route for, uh, you know, for the quarterback. Um, I think that Josh Allen will not use him as much. So I just, I would stay away from him. Again, same situation as Waller. If you need a two tight end, you need a flex player, plug him in. He'll do good, but he's not going to have the season he had last year. Um, Moving on, I think that Amari Cooper falls onto this list too. Uh, now on the Cleveland Browns, week nine. Uh, Ladarius, I think you can agree with me. There's no denying that Amari Cooper is probably one of the most talented wideouts in the NFL this season. Yeah, I can agree with that. Or last season or the year before that. However, um, his fantasy stock plummeted faster than airline stocks did on 9-11 when he got traded to the Browns. Uh, to make matters worse, you have Deshaun Watson out for at least six games, if not more, because we all know this situation with Deshaun Watson can just go. Um, uh, if he's available again, late rounds, if you need, like, I, I would not consider him a WR1. Uh, if I ever said this before this season, I think I could be on charges of treason, maybe locked up for insanity in the funny farm. This season, I could say it with confidence. I don't see him going very far. I don't see him doing a lot. He'll be a stable WR3, nothing more, nothing less. Um, so I would definitely early rounds stay away from him. He is that that eighth, ninth round type, you know, type pick right there. Uh, another one is J.K. Dobbins, the running back for the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, so he didn't play last season due to that, that major ACL tear. Um, he seems good to go for a, a week one debut. Um, but at the end of the day, I don't see him being much more of a than a solid flex player this season. Um, if, if you look at the, the backfield for the Ravens, Gus Edwards, Mike Davis, and rookie uh, Tyler Batty in the mix, uh, I don't see him going far. I don't see him again, flex player WR two or uh, excuse me, uh, RB two, even down on an RB two side, I don't see him getting a lot. He's going to be more of a flex gadget player. He's got a good set of hands on him. He did when he was at Ohio state. Um, if you're in a PPR league, I think he might do some, uh, some, some solid work for you outside of that. I, I really don't know. Uh, Next running back on my uh, I hate list. Well, it's not really an I hate list. And this is just the uh, I'm trying to watch out for you list is Josh Jacobs, a running back for the Las Vegas Raiders. Again, they're on a bye week, week six. Um, I think there's a lot of people that will agree with me on this is that Josh Jacobs had a lot of hype being a first round draft pick. And Ladarius, correct me if I'm wrong or if you agree or indifferent, that. I don't think he lived up to the hype. I don't think he lived up to what he should have been. 
that, that that's a fair oh, i think and i'll just say this i'll let you get back it's how you define expectations and if we're going it's kind of like what i talked about with daniel jones you know expectations i kind of believe to your point there's a case that could be made that maybe there was he kind of just didn't reach the bar not so much as he didn't meet expectations which to yeah. be a, which, which is two separate entities to me yeah, no, I, I, I can, I can, I can agree with that. You know, especially under Josh McDaniels type offense, um, you know, you got to remember Josh McDaniels is a very pass oriented quarterback, especially when he was in New England, and especially now again with Buzz Lightyear, uh, Devontae Adams coming into the story. Um, he, I expect that a lot of pass plays are first looks going to be Devontae, second looks going to be Hunter, third is Devin Waller. Those are going to be his his you know top lookouts. Um, if you're in a PPR league, Josh Jacobs is going to be all but useless this season. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even draft him if you need a backup or maybe he's on the waiver wire and you have an empty spot on your bench that, you know, you're just like, hell with it. I'll, I'll pick him up. Maybe I'll use him for trade bait or something, or maybe something might happen and I might need him or I could sell him go from there. Now here's probably one of my most controversial People to stay away from. Tyreek Hill, wide receiver, Miami Dolphins. They're on a uh, week 11 bye. Uh, I've seen guys in the leagues that Ladarius and I have played in or other leagues that I've played in or leagues that I just see my friends going through. And Hill, Tyreek Hill could win you. And he and he has won me uh, uh, some, some titles. However, I don't know... Going into this season, I don't trust Tua. Uh, I I don't. I wouldn't pick Tyree if if you're depending on Tyreek Hill to be your WR one, your superhero, your main man. Good luck. Maybe you can prove me wrong and you can hit me with the "I told you so," but I I don't feel that Tua has the 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 capacity to play at the level that. Uh, Patrick Mahomes has in Kansas City. Uh, Mahomes is, is less prone to injury, uh, and and I and this is just me. I believe that Mahomes, quarterback wise, I think Mahomes has better mechanics and has a better arm than Tua does. So I think again, Tyree Kill is going to be one of those guys that last season he was the 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 holy grail. This season, um, good luck. I'm I'm curious to see how that works. Uh, another one that's questionable, but maybe some people might agree, would be Michael Thomas from the New Orleans Saints wide receiver. Uh, they're on a bye week in week 14. You know, if you let's let's rewind the clock back a few years, like 2019, dude was unstoppable. Uh, I I remember I was trying to trade a guy in our league, Ladarius. Uh, I was trying to trade a guy like a first round pick, a quarterback, and like a a, a solid high-end running back just to get my grubby little paws on Michael Thomas. Um, but, well, that didn't happen, thankfully, because I'd would, I would be in a, I'd be in a rough, rough shape uh, moving in the future. Um, he really hasn't seen playtime, if you think about it, since 2019. Um, you know, he doesn't have Drew Brees as quarterback. He's going to have a lot of targets uh, for competition with Jarvis Landry and rookie Chris uh, was it Olave, I believe? Uh, uh, Alave. Yeah, Chris Alave. Alave. Yeah, Alave. 
Um, Thomas is going to be one of those guys that's going to be a high risk, high reward. If you pick him up early, he he could make your season or he could break your season. Um, statistics show, and, and Ladarius, I think you could back this one. Most of the times on these things, I don't want to say I'm always right, but I've got a pretty pretty decent eye on 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 what I'm doing, uh, you know, and, and I think that records show it. And I even I've had people DM me uh, after these episodes and be like, dude, I listened to you. Um, hats off like that. You made you made some solid picks, man. Um, but I think when Michael Thomas, this one is this this one I'm going to stand firm on. I don't see him. uh I don't see him doing well. He's going to have Jameis Winston as a quarterback, and he's going to have a crowded receiver core. Uh, he's got to prove himself, or I could see him getting less and less looks. Uh, last but not least, to put the bow on the fantasy football uh, portion of this is uh, DK Metcalf. Again, last season, Ladarius, if I was to say to you, do not draft DK Metcalf, you would have probably called the local mental institution and said that you have a crazy person that you need locked up immediately. It's <laughs> fair to say. Fair to say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, now, you know, uh, not so much. They are post Russell Wilson. Um, you have Jaw Jack and Geno Smith uh, and Drew Locke competing for a starting job. And then you have two of the arguably two of the most talented receivers with with Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf there and somehow they didn't get traded I you know if I if I was Seattle's position I think that if they would have got rid of Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf I think they could have got a lot and when I say I mean they, they could make up for that stupid ass mistake of drafting Jamal or uh, trading for Jamal Adams and giving up two first round picks and this and that and, and uh, shareholding at Starbucks and whatever else they can give away in Seattle to get a hold, to get a hold of Jamal Adams. Um, DK Metcalf, his production is going to be low um, unless uh, maybe uh, uh, Jimmy G goes up to Seattle question mark. Um, uh, you know, maybe something like that could happen and, and that could revive them. But outside of that, I don't see DK Metcalf having a productive season. I, I, you know, people are still going to pick him up just because of his name. They're not going to pay attention and they're just going to see, oh man, it's DK Metcalf. That's going to be great. Not looking at the long-term consequences for possibly picking him up early, wasting an early round draft pick. And then four five, six games into the season, you're like, oh, Dude, this sucks. I'm in deep shit. Um, but we'll see what happens. Uh, next week, I think we'll Ladarius will jump on to maybe some folks to look at, maybe some sleepers to draft. You know, maybe I'll take a different approach and because I know a lot of drafts are going to be happening here in the next uh, three to four weeks. You know, because we're getting ready. I mean, we were counting down the days until uh, start of the NFL season. Um, so I think a lot of these are going to be happening soon. So that's my 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 top ten list of people to avoid, like the plague. Um, if you want to listen to it, great. If not, uh, that's great too. But hopefully that helps some people out. Maybe clears the air for uh, some questions that you may have had. You know, once again, like I said, you know, and I always say this, and I said it last year, and I'll say it again. Is is that when it comes to fantasy? I, I read, you know, uh, I'm kind of a, I can't think of the name of the word for it, but I like to read a lot. 
you know, and, and that kind of comes with, you know, and, I, and that goes with the internet. And I look at fantasy, and, and I and even sometimes when you talk, I, I take little mini notes because I, I, I don't know a whole lot, but I know Chris does. And I'm just the guy who sits here and, you know, I just listen. And, and, and some of the guys, he, and you did mention, and I'll say this before we wrap it up, is that it's going to shock people, Chris, because of the, the name factor without looking at the talent factor, which is, which is sometimes we're, we're, all, we're all victims of that. We're all guilty of that. But, you know, like some of the names you mentioned, like when I think of a guy like Kyler Murray, that's interesting to me. Because when I look at Kyler, I look at a guy like Kyler Murray, for example, I see him being a viable option. But to me, Chris, and I don't know if you, I don't know, and I'll get your thoughts, is that I think it just is just varying upon how you value the position in, in any in whichever fantasy league, whether it's PPR, whether it's you know whether it's you know IDP, whatever the the, the type of fantasy it is. I think it's important for people to understand that before people react, because some of the names you mentioned would be great in, in, in other formats, but in but in a generalized sense, they may not be the great value. Not to say that they can't get you fantasy points, because someone said this the other day, and I can't take credit for it. There's someone out there who's going to be sitting in your waiver wire that's going to win you a championship. Yeah. And... I, do I know who it is? No. But it's important to how you draft because, to me, it's all broken down into how you assess your team. No, oh, absolutely. Um, Go ahead. No, I, I think team assessment um, plays a huge factor. I also think that the league, you know, um, so traditionally um, the most common is, is going to be a PPR league. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think that I, I base most of my stuff off of, of PPR leagues. Um, I don't, you know, I, I know we talk about DFS and DraftKings and things like that when I do my my weekly stardom sitems. Um, but the most part, I try to base it off of PPR. But yeah, um, you know, we rarely talk about IDP leagues because that's just a little too intricate uh, for for the time span that we have. Um, you have your non PPR leagues, um, you know, but even then, I still think. Overall, whether you're PPR, IDP, uh, non-PPR, I think these guys are ones I genuinely think that they're going to have a rough season ahead of them because of circumstance. And that's where a lot of people fail. So I, I was talking about this with one of my buddies is that, you know, we we don't – I don't want to make it sound like a goddamn uh, election here. It's not like we collude. But we'll talk about our draft boards and draft strategies. And I, and I think that that's something that a lot of people fail – to discuss on uh, with themselves is that draft strategy is um, you have to look at. So we look at, I need a quarterback and people are Dak Prescott. Then you're like, who does Dak Prescott have to throw to? Or you have situations where you have like Devontae Adams. Oh my God, Devontae Adams has been so good the past five years. He was so good with Aaron Rodgers. Will he be that good with Derek Carr? You know, there's, there's those things that people, I think, fail to take into consideration and that's the biggest thing if i can advise everyone except for the people that play in my league that i have to play against just don't ever listen to this um like Vladarius, plug your ears right now uh you know know, it's all circumstantial you have to look at a week-by-week basis 
uh, the player you're going to draft, what his schedule looks like, who he has to play with, and then and then just kind of go from there. So that's my two cents on it. I mean, I, I think you hit a really good point that I failed to bring up. So hats off to you on that. Well, well, well no, like I said, I'm just I, I look at it as the casual fan, and it, like I say, when you do fan, you know, when you do your fantasy, I just sit back and I just I absorb. Take and notes and beat my ass in the season. I well, you said it, not me, friend. And, <laughs> <laughs> but but before we wrap up, you know, I want to talk about. Cause I think, you know. You know I'm a huge WWE fan. I, you know, I still watch it. I've been at it 25, over 25 years. And if you try to figure out my age, then you have to go on Facebook and figure out you're a graduate high school, and you're not, you guys are not going to do the legwork on it. So, anywho, we were talking about this. You know, we were talking about this about the actually A and E has is doing a great job with these document these documentaries. They're doing a fantastic job. And I, and I and I went to Twitter and I talked about how great the DX one was. It was fantastic. It it, it really was. It, it it when when you look at and I'll get your quick thoughts before we get out of here. But I, I there was two takeaways for me, maybe three. The first takeaway was just how big DX was. It just it 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 was the first group to my memory that went beyond wrestling. You had, you know, and, and we're we're about the same age. So, and people who are listening are about the same age as we are, or someone in the neighborhood. All you young whippersnappers. <laughs> Rocking chair and lemonade. And <laughs> that, that sounds pretty good. Anyway, but you know, you're going to school and you're giving the you're giving the suck it sign, you know, teacher. Yeah, I, 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 I remember I'm gonna, I'm gonna cut you off for a second, man. I remember. And I think I was in like seventh grade. I ended up catching a detention, and it was so funny when they when they said. So I was watching this last night, and, and for you all that are wondering, um, you know why we kind of brought this up. So in in pre show discussion, during show, and then post show discussion, so we keep a, a chat line open between Ladarius and I, so we can kind of you know throw ideas or whatever back and forth. And I, I, I was you know we were doing our pre show material, and I, I watched this last night, so I don't get a chance to watch like a lot of cable. TV besides like live sports, just because I try, as you guys know, I travel a lot for my job and, you know, just kind of doing my thing in and out, da, 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 da. Uh, so I was sitting in my hotel last night and uh, I had dinner, had a couple drinks, came back. I just wanted to relax, man. I was up at like four o'clock in the morning to try to get out, you know, get out here to Chicago. And I just wanted to relax, man. I flipped through channels and uh, I, I was actually, I would, oh God, I sound like a millennial when I say this. I was, I was looking on my phone at my phone screen and flipping through channels and I heard like the DX theme music come on. So I immediately just like dropped a remote and I was like, Oh, I know that shit. And I, and I see it's this documentary. It was just starting. And it's like you said, the cultural impact of DX on, on our age group uh, was, was huge. The 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 t-shirt merchandise, the 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 slapping your 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 undercarriage doing the suck it sign, uh, or just like, like I remember clear as day, and it was funny because I did it. Is that with, with Road Dog Jesse James and Badass Billy Gunn, uh, when that did it, you know, just that three hard chord guitar riff, and like I just immediately just oh if you didn't know. 
And, you know, it just, it was, this guy was grained into me. And it was just so wild on, on just watching the, essentially, not the rise and fall of DX, but like the start of it would just, Shawn Michaels and Hunter and China, and then he grabbed X Pac, who was not a failed wrestler, but he was fired by WWF. He was in WCW. He ended up coming back, and then Road Dog and Billy Gunn were both about to get fired, mm-hmm. essentially. And then they put them together as a tag team, and I think to this day they're still my favorite tag team. I liked, uh, I, you know, I liked, uh, uh, it was Animal and Road Warrior. Um, yeah, uh, Road Warrior. Yeah, the, I know you know, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the Road, you know, like, yeah, the Road Warriors. Yeah, you know, like, I, I like them with the crazy, like, University of Georgia black and red spiked football pads. But it's just, just being a, a 13-year-old boy with a bunch of dudes that are just acting like children. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know, man. I guess, man. And, and yeah, and, you know, and I just, I laughed at it. And, and as an adult... I'm in my mid thirties, and goddamn, I still laugh at it. Yeah, you know? it, 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 and, and that's what makes it great. I think we found our Halloween costume, by the way. Yeah, I'm man, I'm telling you. Um, it, you know, it was just, it was just such a cool documentary. And then the other one they had on after that was a WWE Rival series, mm-hmm. and it was talking about the rivalry between Triple H and Mankind. Yeah, and I, I think that Mick Foley is probably one of the most underrated professional wrestlers. Uh, you know, yeah. in 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 all of of ECW, WCW, WWE, TNA. You know, and, and I'll be honest with you, Ladarius definitely covers more of the wrestling than I do. I I legitimately stopped watching after the Attitude Era because I it it just got too gimmicky and too politically correct. And I think all of you that know me, me and political correctness, well, we really don't get along. Uh, it, I, I want to watch wrestling. I wanted to see Sable's giant fake tits, and I wanted to see butts and girls getting naked and dudes drinking beer like so called Steve Austin. I remember as a kid taking my Capri Suns and banging them together and just squeezing them in my face. And or The Rock saying, you know, he's going to kick some Rudy Pooh candy ass. I remember on the playground trying to drop an elbow drop on somebody, you know, saying the, like, it was just like, it was such an allure of like our childhood. And then like, as the new age progressed, like, if you look at like John Cena for when he first entered and he was like this, like kind of badass from Boston and like this, this hard ghetto dude to now, I, I don't I just, I, I think it's definitely just a different, and I get it. They want to be more family friendly even though Vince McMahon's out here pulling a Joe Biden and just sniffing women and doing all sorts of weird stuff, but you know, Hey, whatever. Um, but it was just cool. Like I said, I normally don't talk wrestling, but I wanted to bring it up. And I, I was just so uh, amazed on, you know, by it. And, and I think this is the second or third time. I think I texted you like, dude, check this show out. Like, this is actually pretty cool. Yeah. And I was, I was so impressed by it. And you know, the one thing that actually, before we get off, and I guess this is going to be my, um, uh, my social outreach for for the episode is I didn't realize how heavy drug use was yeah. with international wrestling. You know, yeah. as a kid, when you're 12, 13 years old, you're not thinking about methamphetamines, or crack cocaine, right. or yeah. coke, or pain pills. You know, you don't even you you don't even uh, uh, you know you don't even think about those yeah. things. It, it doesn't even enter the, the recesses of, of 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 your mind. You're, once again. It's the adolescent. I didn't mean to cut you off. I apologize. But no, you're good. I'm hitting Google real quick for your recommendation. Yeah, just 
Sweet cooking, Jesus. You know, for all you guys out there, uh, Google Mandy Rose, Jesus, Marion. Because when you started talking, I'm like, I, I know how to appeal to Chris. When you, yeah, when, buddy. You, when you've known someone, you know, for what, 20 years, you, you, yeah, gauge, almost, yeah. you, you get a gauge on people. But and to your point before we go, and, and, th- and then Chris, all of that happened within the span of like two years. Yeah, like, it, it just, it, if you really think about it, it's wild. Yeah, it, it's like, it, it wasn't like how how you see a lot of factions like the Hart Foundation, like old school, like how these things, like the Four Horsemen, they lasted years, I could argue maybe decades. But yeah. for DX, it started out of, we were getting our tails kicked by WCW. We got to get out of this PG era. Insert Shawn Michaels, insert Triple H. And you get and you're in a China who I think we should be in the Hall of Fame. That's a whole another whole another conversation. Hundred percent, yeah. Whole another conversation. That was all two years, but it felt like five because that's just how big they were. They were sometimes bigger than WWF at that time. Oh, absolutely. They were bigger, and 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 to and to the point, I think Chris. What made the documentary so great? Yeah, the highs and the lows, but it, it I love watching those things because you get to see. Because this is why I said, you know, I always in the Hall of Fame for years because, like, oh, people like, oh, her magic. No, her impact in DX. If you were a young girl, you didn't see women interacting with men in that capacity. Like, you, you could argue and make no, the case that. And like, like China, and to me, she was different. And when you hear people who get into the business wrestling, China sometimes comes up because to me, she impacted that business. And and there's political reasons. To me, there's reasons why she's not in the Hall of Fame. Once again, that's a whole nother podcast, a whole nother episode. If you guys want me to get into that, I will. But to me, going back to the documentary, it was well done, well a and E has done a great job and knocked it out of the ballpark, and just they have. And, and telling the story and and like I say, and plus when you brought when you brought the New Age Outlaws, I say Chris, that could be our Halloween costume. Hell yeah! I, I don't know who's gonna be who. We'll probably flip a coin and figure out. I, you know, I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't think I'm gonna look good in tight, bright green spandex. So. And so uh, you're saying I so you're saying I will is, is what the yeah I, I uh, you know what man we'll just we'll 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 have to that that'll be a a, a post post show discussion but no yeah. it was it was just like I said man I I just wanted to bring it up I I know I normally don't talk wrestling so it may seem like I don't like it but it was just so cool and the thing I like and I appreciate the most out of all of these is they don't talk about just like the happy times they yeah. talk about like, the good times the bad times and then the dark like like X Pac literally talking about trying to kill himself in Mexico yeah, city. So, yeah. And it, it's just real stuff that like uh, when we were growing up, we didn't care or yeah. see those types of things because it was, you turn on Monday night raw and y- you were turning it on to see, I wanted to see three things. I wanted to see Trish Stratus. I wanted to see DX and I wanted to see Ken Shamrock because I liked how Ken Shamrock like broke that mold and that fourth wall to go from the UFC to 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 wrestling i just thought that was cool but then yeah and then like you said wcw i remember 
uh, having a TV in the living room and, and a TV in the other side of the house. And we have the, the VCR recorders on recording WCW, uh, Monday Night Nitro and, and, and Monday Night Raw and then watching them the next day or like flipping between them, you know, because I wanted to see like Ray Mysterio and like Dean Malenko, but I also wanted to see like Stone Cold and The Rock, you know, it was just, it was, it was, I think, arguably the best time in history for professional wrestling. And uh, it was just cool to see all the behind the scenes stuff. And I guess, like I said, I guess my social outreach uh, message is that if, if you're legit having issues with substance abuse, alcoholism, whatever your fix might be, people care. Um, go seek help. If, if you're too ashamed to do it yourself, talk with a friend, a relative, somebody like that. Suicide, same thing. Your life is important, um, more important than you, you feel it is. Um, go seek the help you need, man. I, I hate seeing that, man. I, I, I honestly didn't know that about Xbox. And, yeah. Or like, uh, or like Road Dog. I mean, he had a, a a healthy drug issue where he lost his family almost, mm-hmm. um, and thankfully he cleaned himself up. So, um, if you're suffering from those issues, man, everyone goes through hard times. Um, a lot of you that know me know that I went through some real dark shit the past year. You know, Ladarius has gone through his his dark shit. Everyone does. You know, it may not be to the extent of what professional athletes go through, but everyone goes through bad times. So you need help. Go seek it. Um, You know, you're not a coward for seeking mental health or to talk about it. You're a coward if you don't do anything about it. Um, You know, so go get the help you need. Watch these shows on A&E. Prepare for fantasy football. And uh, that's all I got, man. Good stuff. And, And like to Chris's point before we go, I can say this and he doesn't know I'm going to say it. So I, I feel like I have to be Chris for in the show, which is which is weird. It's kind of like one of those butterfly effect things. But you know, Chris has been a type of person like like too. He mentioned some of the things you know I went through, and one of the first people who reached out to me was Chris, and and that meant the world to me. I never got the chance to tell him that, but I'm telling him now that it meant the absolute world to me that you did reach out because he didn't have to. We're just we're just two people doing the podcast, but we we've, we've known each other decades but for him you know for you to do that i i truly do appreciate that and admit that no you know like i said i back up what i say man i I stand behind what i say you know i talk to you about stuff you know uh friends family you know um that if and i'm one of those people like i'll just straight call you out if like i and i did it to ladarius i knew he was going through some shit and he's like no i'm fine and i literally think i said fuck you you're gonna tell me what's up and yeah, uh you know, I'm did. yeah. If, if we're yeah. In a, if, if we're in a ring and did it i think the outcome would be different no no <laughs> <laughs> well you're also like six foot five and i'm like five foot six so i mean <laughs> it could have been it could have been a match for survivor series for all we know but yeah, no shit man but but once again you know to chris's point get the help it's out there go get it people care and they love you and, and on that note until you hear us again next time i'm ladarius and I'm Chris. Be real, be you, be blessed, and be safe from all of us here from the Sports and the World Podcast. See ya!